أعوذ بالله من الشيطان اللعين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad. In our last episode, we spoke about a meeting that took place between the Prophet Abu Sufyan and some of the senior uh, leaders of Quraysh. This was prior to the the entering into Mecca, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, he facilitated a meeting to basically allow Abu Sufyan and some of the other uh, chiefs of Quraysh to surrender to the Prophet. Uh, it was apparent that Quraysh was unable to uh, resist militarily. So this meeting was organized. And in this meeting, those who met with the Prophet, they converted, they announced their shahada, and Abu Sufyan was one of them. And as we mentioned, Abu Sufyan, he made the declaration of faith. He said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. I bear witness that there is no God other than Allah. And then when the Prophet pressed him and he said to him, Ama'ana laka an tashhada. Anni Rasulullah, O Abu Sufyan, is it is it not the time to also confess and bear witness that I am the Messenger of Allah? And this is where we see there was a bit of hesitation on the part of Abu Sufyan. He wasn't able to utter those words. Uh, some reports say he says, "Amma hadhi fa'inna fil qalbi minha shay." As for the second part of the declaration of faith, there is still something in my heart that prevents me from reciting uh, that shahada. Eventually, after some time, uh, Abu Sufyan, he recites the full shahada. He converts. Now, after the conversion of Abu Sufyan, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, he approaches his nephew. And he says to the Prophet that it would be it would be good if you granted a level level of prestige to Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan is a man who likes attention. He was the most prominent figure in Meccan society before the advent of Islam. And he's someone that enjoys uh, recognition. So the Prophet ﷺ, understanding you know, the psychology of Abu Sufyan, he does something unprecedented. He responds with an act of unprecedented clemency. The Prophet ﷺ, he promises amnesty to any Meccan who seeks protection in the house of Abu Sufyan, as well as anyone who remains in their home or anyone who seeks refuge uh, at the sacred mosque in Masjid al-Haram. 
So this was the Prophet's way of you know, giving a little bit of restoring some of the honor of Abu Sufyan. And the Prophet ﷺ being the wise leader that he is, whenever there's an opportunity to neutralize a bitter enemy, a, a staunch foe, the Prophet ﷺ, he does this. And this goes to show you, brothers and sisters, there's no need to add insult to injury. You know, in these situations where you are in a position of power and you've overcome your political enemies, if there is a way to win them over, if there is a way to neutralize them, this is usually going to be the best course of action. Of course, there might be certain circumstances where uh, you shouldn't do that. But here we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he, he, he grants a certain level of prestige to Abu Sufyan. You know, and this is what we find even in our hadith literature, that when you conquer a people, you know, do not humiliate the nobles of that society. You know, preserve their dignity to the best of your ability. You know, don't, uh, don't add that insult to injury. Don't rub salt in their wounds. So the Prophet ﷺ, he grants him uh, this, uh, this prestige by saying that anyone who enters the house of Abu Sufyan is protected. The Prophet ﷺ, he also uh, positions Abu Sufyan so that he and his uncle Abbas are able to see the Prophet's army pass by as they enter Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ, you know, he knew that Abu Sufyan is a person who is impressed by military strength. And the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted Abu Sufyan to witness the glory and the, the military strength of Islam. Uh, at the end of the day, someone like Abu Sufyan wants to side with winners. He wants to side with the powerful. And again, this is a way of uh, eliminating any possibility, any thought that he would have in his mind uh, to, to launch a resistance against the Prophet and also to potentially win him over so he sees that Islam is a, a force to be reckoned with and Islam is here to stay. Now Abu Sufyan when he sees the, the massive army of the Prophet and remember brothers and sisters, in the battle of Ahzab, Abu Sufyan formed uh, alliances with some of the Jews, with some of the, the neighboring Arab tribes, and their army was 10,000. And they had mobilized to destroy the Prophet and to kill off the Muslim community in Medina. So it's interesting that just a couple of years later, a few years later, you see that the Prophet ﷺ with similar figures, with an army that is 10,000 10, strong, now he is conquering uh, Mecca. You see how quickly uh, the tables turn in this case. So Abu Sufyan, he was stunned by the sheer size and strength of the Prophet's forces. The narrations mention that upon seeing the massive army of the Prophet Abu Sufyan actually turned to Al-Abbas in amazement. And he said to Abbas, لَقَدْ أَصْبَحَ 
ملك ابن أخيك الغداة عظيمة أبو سفيان he says أو عباس your nephew's kingdom has indeed become great and this is where you see العباس he responds to Abu Sufyan saying وَيْحَكَ يَا أَبَا سُفْيَانَ Woe be to you. He reprimands him. Woe be to you, O Abu Sufyan. لَيْسَ بِمُلْكٍ وَلَكِنَّهَا نُبُوَّةٍ Abbas, he tells Abu Sufyan, because they were, you know, uh, lifelong friends. You know, they came from the same city. He said to him, O Abu Sufyan, it is not a kingdom, it's prophethood. This victory that you're witnessing is not just the victory of, you know, a ruler. This is not a, just a military victory. What you are seeing is the victory of prophethood. This is the fulfillment of the divine promise. As the Quran says, when the Prophet was being driven out of Mecca in those early years, the Prophet ﷺ, he felt heartbroken that he was being forced to leave his birthplace, the place that he grew up in. The place, the city that he got married in and had all of his children. All of the memories that were attached to the city of Mecca. The Prophet looked at the valley of Mecca and with tearful eyes, he said to the city of Mecca, O Mecca, Allah is my witness that you are very dear to me. I am not leaving you because my love for you has subsided. I am leaving you because your people have driven me out. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is said, that he reveals the ayah of the Qur'an, إِنَّ الَّذِي فَرَضَ عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ لَرَادُّكَ إِلَى مَعَادٍ Allah says that the one who has revealed the Qur'an to you, he will return you to your home. He will return you to Mecca. And this is the day, this is the day in which that divine promise was actualized. So the Prophet ﷺ, before entering Mecca, he has his troops split into groups. And this is an important military strategy. They don't enter all together from one entrance point. The Prophet ﷺ, he divides his army into groups and they enter Mecca from different entry points. Al-Waqidi, uh, who died in 207 after the Hijrah, famous historian in his Maghazi, he writes, وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ قد أعطى رايته سعد بن سعد بن عبادة الخزرجي. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وآله he gave the standard to he gave at least one of the standards to سعد بن عبادة الخز الخزرجي. سعد بن عبادة he's one of the companions of the Prophet. He's one of the Ansar. He is one. He is the leader, or at least one of the leaders of the Khazraj clan. And we will see later on in the seerah of the Prophet, if Allah gives us the tawfiq to complete it, after the death of the Prophet, after the death of the Prophet, the Ansar organized a secret meeting. It's known as Saqifah, Saqifah Bani Sa'ada. And this Sa'ad bin Ubadah was supposed to be, was the one who was nominated from among the Ansar to be the Khalifa of the Prophet. In any case, this man is appointed as the flag bearer, the standard bearer. فَكَانَ هُوَ أَمَامَ الْكَتِيبَةِ He stood in front of the battalion and he was holding the standard. فَلَمَّا مَرَّ سَعَدْ 
النبي. He was holding the standard and when he passed by the standard of the Prophet Sa'ad started to call out and those who were with Sa'ad they started to chant and they started to cry out Ya Aba Sufyan they would cry out, Oh Abu Sufyan, today is the day of the massacre. Today is the day of slaughter. On this day, the sanctity will be violated. Other, they might mean that the sanctity of the Kaaba will not be considered, meaning that we're going to slaughter all of you as we enter Mecca. Or we're going to take your, your women as captives. This is the day in which Allah has humiliated Quraysh. So Sa'ad ibn Ubadah is holding the standard and he's shouting out that basically we're going to enter Mecca and we're going to slaughter all of you. It's going to be a bloodbath. And we're not going to give any, we're not going to show any regard to the Kaaba. Today, your blood is halal for us and when we enter uh, Mecca. Now Al-Abbas, when he heard this, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, have you heard what Sa'ad ibn Ubadah is saying? I'm afraid that he will attack Quraysh fierce, fiercely. I'm afraid that he's going to incite the Muslims to violence, to spill the blood of the Meccans. Now this is where the Prophet ﷺ, and this is mentioned by Shaykh al-Mufid in his book, Kitab al-Irshad, when the Prophet hears this violent rhetoric, when he hears that Sa'ad ibn Ubadah and some of the Muslims uh, intend to spill the blood of the Meccans and of Quraysh, the Prophet ﷺ, he intervenes. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ لِعَلِيِّ بْنَ أَبِي طَالِبْ أَدْرِكْهُ فَخُذِ الرَّايَةَ مِنْ The Prophet, he turns to Ali and he says to Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, catch up with Sa'ad and take the standard from him. The Prophet did not want him to, to give these chants of death and destruction and bloodshed. That's not what the Prophet wanted. فَخُذِ الرَّايَةَ مِنْ فَكُنْ أَنْتَ الَّذِي تَدْخُلُ بِهَا مَكَّةِ The Prophet said to Ali, take the standard from Sa'ad and I want you to be the one who enters Mecca with my standard. فَأَدْرَكَهُ عَلِيٌّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فَأَخَذَهَا مِنْ Ali ibn Abi Talib, he catches up with Sa'ad and he takes the standard. وَلَمْ يَمْتَنِعْ عَلَيْهِ سَعْدٌ مِنْ دَفْعِهَا إِلَيْهِ Sa'ad did not stop Amir al-Mu'mineen from uh, seizing the standard from him. Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, as the Muslims are preparing to enter Mecca, he advises Abu Sufyan to go into Mecca and to urge the people not to resist. He tells them, don't fight against the Prophet and his army. So Al-Abbas says, oh Abu Sufyan, you know, the people of Mecca, they see you as their leader. You have a role to play in preventing the bloodshed 
in Mecca. So he says, go and announce to the people that they should surrender, that they should not try to fight against the Prophet. So Abu Sufyan, he hurried into the, into the city and he shouted out, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, Hadha Muhammadun qad ja'akum fima la qibala lakum bih. Abu Sufyan, he says, O people of Quraysh, here is Muhammad. He has come to you with an army that you simply cannot fight. He has an army of 10,000 men who are armed to the teeth. فَمَنْ دَخَلَ دَارَ أَبِي سُفْيَانَ فَهُوَ آمِنٌ You know, he takes advantage of this you know, special uh, prestige that the Prophet granted him. He says to the people, Come to my house and you will be safe. وَمَنْ أَغْلَقَ بَابَهُ فَهُوَ آمِنٌ If you don't want to come to my house, at least close your doors. Stay inside of your homes and you will be safe. So Abu Sufyan, he makes this announcement. And there's an interesting altercation here between Abu Sufyan and his wife Hind. Hind bint Utbah. Now as you know, brothers and sisters, Hind is uh, one of the most notorious figures in the seerah of the Prophet, one of the most staunch enemies of the Prophet. Her contempt for Islam and for the Prophet is no less than the hatred and the enmity that the likes of Abu Jahl felt. We know that in the battle of Uhud, she was the one who mutilated the body of the Prophet's uncle Hamza. So this is a, a vicious woman. This is a woman who severed the fingers of Hamza and she made it into a necklace. Can you imagine how, what a deranged person you have to be to do something like that? She was a bloodthirsty, wicked woman. So as Abu Sufyan is making this announcement that we have to surrender to the army of the Prophet, so as he's announcing this, تَهَا إِلَى هند بِنْتُ عُتْبَةَ الْمَخْزُومِيَةَ so as, as I mentioned, this is a woman who, who lost many members of her family to, in the battles of Islam. You know, her father and her brother uh, and her uncle, they were killed in the battle of Bad. You know, so she has a personal vendetta against the Prophet So when she sees her husband, who is supposed to be the leader of Quraysh, who's supposed to be the chief of Quraysh, that he's surrendering without a fight, فَأَخَذَتْ بِرَأْسِ She basically smacks him in public. فَقَالَتْ مَا وَرَاءَكِ She says to him, what's the matter with you? قَالَ هَذَا مُحَمَّدٌ فِي عَشْرَةِ آلَافِ He says to her that Muhammad has come with an army of 10,000. عَلَيْهِمُ الْحَدِيدِ There are 10,000 armed soldiers. قَدْ جَعَلَ لِي مَنْ دَخَلَ دَارِي فَهُوَ آمِنٌ He gave me a guarantee. Muhammad gave me a guarantee that whoever enters my house is protected. They will not be harmed. وَمَنْ طَرَحَ السِّلَاحَ فَهُوَ آمِنٌ And whoever surrenders their weapons, whoever lays down their weapons, they are safe. So what was the reaction of Hind? 
قال فقالت قبحك الله قبحك الله رسول قوم she says may Allah may Allah blacken your face she curses him basically she insults him she says what kind of emissary are you what kind of leader are you that you surrender in such a cowardice way وأخذت بشارب she, she actually took his his beard and she twisted she twisted the hair on his face and she says اقتلوا هذا الزق الدسم السمين قبح, قبح من طليعة قوم she says to the people to kill her husband she calls she demands the Meccans to kill her husband for his cowardice for his treachery for suggesting that Quraysh should surrender to the Prophet so Abu Sufyan again you can imagine the situation he's in he's calling for everyone to surrender to not resist the Prophet his wife is publicly humiliating him she's physically assaulting him and he turns to the mushrikeen of Mecca and he says to them woe be to you people do not let her do not let this woman cause you to act irrationally you know she's inciting you to fight but she's not going to fight she's going to sit in her home don't spill your blood don't do anything irrational we do not have the strength or the ability to launch an attack on the prophet he is militarily superior to us so we all have to submit to him now the army of the prophet they momentarily stop at a place called dhu tuwa Dhutuwa was on the outskirts of Mecca, and this is where the Prophet he's you know leading this massive army. And the historians note that as he's preparing to enter Mecca as a conqueror, he bows his head in humility. And this is this is a reflection of the noble character of the Prophet. How many conquerors? enter the cities that they conquer with humility. Oftentimes they do it with their chests inflated, with arrogance and with pride and with haughtiness. But the Prophet ﷺ, who is the symbol of humanity, who is the symbol of humbleness and humility, he bows his head in humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, he has that moment of gratitude to Allah, to to take a moment to express his humility and his gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine how the Prophet must have felt at that moment? That after all of these years of persecution, of suffering, now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he was, he was, the, he was, the, uh, he was exiled. He was the exiled leader who is now returning as a conqueror. Now leading the, the right side of the, the army was Khalid ibn al-Walid and the left side was led by Zubair ibn al-Awam. Two of the battalions, they enter Mecca from the east and west sides. So again, this was a military strategy to enter from different sides. And the Prophet ﷺ, he strictly instructed them not to fight anyone unless they are attacked. You're not allowed to draw your sword or spill the blood of anyone in Mecca unless you are attacked. In self-defense, you're allowed to fight. 
but you should not initiate any attack against the Meccans. Now one group of Quraysh, so again the majority of the Meccans, they listened to Abu Sufyan and they surrendered. But of course there was a contingent among the Mushrikeen who were unwilling to go down without a fight. So a group of Quraysh comprising of Ikrima ibn Abi Jahl. So this is Ikrima, the son of the, uh, the wicked Abu Jahl who was killed in Badr. His son is now you know, one of the staunch enemies of the Prophet. So this group of Quraysh comprised of Ikrima ibn Abi Jahl. Suhail ibn Amr. Suhail ibn Amr should also be a familiar name to us. He was one of the main negotiators in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. He is the one who wanted Rasulullah to be erased when the terms of when the letter was being drafted. Because the letter was, you know, Muhammad, the Messenger of God, says such and such. Suhail ibn Amr says if we believed he was the Messenger of God, we would not be fighting him. So this is that Suhail ibn Amr from the days, the, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Safwan ibn Umayyah, another uh, enemy of the Prophet These men, they come together among others and they swore to fight. They said that we're not, we're not going to just uh, surrender and yield to the Prophet. They meet the battalion of Khalid ibn al-Walid and there is a skirmish that ensues. 24 members of Quraysh, they're killed and there are a couple of uh, Muslim casualties as well. Now, Suhail retreats to his house in Mecca. Ikrama and Safwan, they flee to the coast. They start heading towards the Red Sea to escape. The rest of the Meccans surrendered. And after this, there was no further resistance to the conquest of Mecca. There's a narration here by Ibn Ishaq. So again, Ibn Ishaq is you know, probably the most important source on the seerah of the Prophet. Uh, he died in 151 after the Hijrah. So this is uh, a very, very early primary source on the biography of the Prophet. قَالَ ibn Ishaq وَعَهِدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ أُمَرَائِهِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ أَلَّا يَقْتُلُوا بِمَكَّةَ إِلَّا مَنْ يُقَاتِلَهُمْ The Prophet told his commanders, those who were in the army, that do not kill anyone in Mecca unless you are attacked. Siwa nafarun kanu yu'dhuna al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi amara biqatlihim wa in wujidu tahta astar al-Ka'bah. The Prophet gave a general rule that do not attack any of the mushrikeen. But there were a group from among the mushrikeen who were essentially given the death penalty by the Prophet. The Prophet ﷺ, he condemns about a dozen men and women to death. And he says to his companions that if you find these individuals, and they were known to the Muslims, if you find these individuals, uh, execute them, even if they're clinging to the covering of the Kaaba. Now who are these individuals? These were leaders in Meccan society. These are people who had personal vendettas against the Muslims. These are individuals 
who incited violence against the Muslims, and many of them were apostates, and a number of them actually had the blood of Muslims on their hands. They actually murdered some Muslims in cold blood. Now we have a narration from uh, Imam al-Baqir where he mentions the names of some of these some of these criminals. And this is mentioned in the book Qurb al-Isnad, uh, al-Himyari, rahmatullahi alayhi. He mentions this narration from Imam al-Baqir where Imam al-Baqir mentions those who uh, were to be executed upon entering Mecca. And their names are Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh. This man was uh, an apostate. And by the way, brothers and sisters, we have to understand that apostating from Islam in this context is not simply someone who just has some doubts and you know privately wants to, privately doesn't want to practice Islam anymore. You know, these are people who are very public about the fact that they've renounced Islam. And apostasy at this time was one of the most powerful forms of war propaganda. So these are people, they're not just leaving Islam, they're actively uh, promoting uh, violence against Islam and the Muslims. So Abdullah ibn Abi Sa'ad, Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh, wa Abdullah ibn Khatal. So again, uh, this is someone, uh, Abdullah ibn Khatal, he actually killed a Muslim in cold blood. Uh, he apostated and uh, he joined uh, the enemies of the Prophet. وَمِقِيَسْ ابن صبابة مقيس uh, ابن صبابة he also uh, intentionally uh, killed Muslims and he escaped uh, to Mecca so these are people who killed Muslims for the, for the, because uh, they were Muslims they were murdering Muslims in cold blood uh, because of their faith وَفَرْتَنَا وَسَارَ now this, this hadith also mentions two women whom the Prophet ﷺ ordered to be executed. And these women, again, these were not just average women. These were women who were involved in inciting violence and they would recite poetry, uh, inflammatory poetry, inciting uh, violence against the Prophet and the Muslims. So these, these two women were actually engaged in uh, very serious war propaganda, and the Prophet ﷺ, he gives them uh, the death penalty. And the Prophet knows that these individuals they're not gonna they're not gonna change their ways, and as long as they're alive, uh, they pose a threat to the safety of Muslims. Sheikh Al Mufid mentions that Imam Amir Al Mu'minin he actually killed a number of these leaders. So when the Prophet you know, announced that these individuals are not to be spared, Amir al-Mu'mineen he enters Mecca and he finishes uh, the job. He executes them. Sheikh al-Mufid also mentions a very, very interesting story uh, that occurs between Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib and his sister, Umhani. So Umhani is the, the older sister of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, So this incident is mentioned in uh, Kitab al-Irshad by Shaykh al-Mufid. وَبَلَغَ عَلِيًّا 
عليه السلام أن أخته أمهاني قد آوت أناسا من بني مخزوم إمام علي بن أبي طالب he receives news that his sister أمهاني had given refuge to some people from the clan of Makhzum. You know, many of these people were enemies of the Prophet. But because it was a, it was a, well, it was a well-known practice during the, uh, especially in the pre-Islamic era, that when people would come to you and they would seek protection, uh, it was seen as a matter of basic akhlaq, especially in the pre-Islamic era, to grant protection to those who sought it from you. So she allows them to uh, come into her home. She grants them uh, refuge. Minhum al-Harith ibn Hisham wa Qais ibn Sa'ib. So among those who were given refuge were al-Harith ibn Hisham and Qais ibn Sa'ib. Again, these were uh, mushrikeen. These were enemies of the Prophet. She, she grants them refuge and protection in her home. فَقَصَدَ نَحْوَ دَارِهَا مُقَنَّعًا بِالْحَدِيدِ Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, he sets forth for his sister's house. And he's wearing an iron helmet. And he stands outside of Umhani's home. فَنَادَ أَخْرِجُوا مَنْ آوَيْتُمْ He says, send out those to whom you've given refuge. فَخَرَجَتْ أُمُّهَانِ So Amir al-Mu'mineen is, he's wearing his military uniform, uh, he's wearing his helmet, his face is not showing. So Umhani, when she comes out, she sees this, uh, this warrior, this soldier standing outside of her home, she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't recognize this is her brother. فَخَرَجَتْ أُمُّهَانِ وَهِيَ لَا تَعْرِفُ She did not recognize him. فَقَالَتْ يَا عَبْدَ اللَّهِ أنا أم هاني بنت عم بنت بنت عم رسول الله وأخت علي بن أبي طالب. She comes out and she says, "O servant of God, I am Um Hani, the cousin of the Prophet, and I am the sister of Ali ibn Abi Talib. In صرف عن داري, please leave my home." فقال أمير المؤمنين عليه السلام أخرجوهم. أمير المؤمنين says. Send out those who you've given refuge to. فَقَالَتْ وَاللَّهِ لَأَشْكُوَنَّكَ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ Up until now, Umhani doesn't know who this is. She says, I swear by God, I'm going to go and complain to the Prophet. So Umhani was a Muslim. You know, so for, for whatever reason, she, she was living in uh, Mecca at the time, but she was Muslim. And she says to this man, not knowing that it's her brother, Ali ibn Abi Talib, she says, I'm going to go complain to the Prophet about you. I swear by God, I'm going to complain to the Prophet. So the narration says, فَنَزَعَ الْمَغْفَرَ عَنْ رَأْسِهِ Amir al-Mu'mineen, he removes the helmet, and lo and behold, Umhani sees that this is her brother, this is Amir al-Mu'mineen, this is Ali ibn Abi Talib. She goes and she hugs her brother Amir al-Mu'mineen. She says, "My may I be sacrificed for you, O Ali. But then she says, you know, I made an oath that by God I'm going to go complain to you about uh, 
the Prophet. And an oath is something that is binding in Islam, especially when you mention the name of Allah. So Amir al-Mu'mineen salam, he says, go and make good on your oath. Go and, and tell the Prophet. Go complain to the Prophet about me. So Amir al-Mu'mineen, he says that the Prophet is at the top of the valley. So Umhani, she says, I went to the Prophet while he was in his tent washing. The Prophet was taking a bath or a shower. And Fatima al-Zahra was, uh, she put up a veil to cover him. And she says, when the Prophet heard my voice, Umhani, you know, when she greeted them, the Prophet he says to her, welcome, Umhani. And Umhani says, Ya Rasulullah, may my mother and my father be sacrificed for you. This is an expression of respect for the Prophet. She said, I have come to complain to you of the treatment that I have received today from Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali was being a bit harsh with me. I'm his sister and he was demanding that I release the, uh, those who I who had given refuge to. So the Prophet, he asks her, you know, is it true that you gave refuge to those people who I was uh, notified about? And this is where, and before Umhani answers, Fatima al-Zahra salam, who was there in the tent, فقالت, Fatima al-Zahra actually rebukes, she rebukes her own sister-in-law. She rebukes Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib's sister. فقالت Fatima, Ya Umhani, إِنَّمَا جِئْتِ تَشْتَكِينَ عَلِيًّا فِي أَنَّهُ أَخَافَ أَعْدَاءَ اللَّهِ وَأَعْدَاءَ رَسُولِهِ She said, Oh Umhani, have you really come to complain of Ali, to complain about Ali because he has caused the enemies of God and the enemies of his messengers to be afraid? This is a good thing. Ali ibn Abi Talib, his job is to instill fear in the, the hearts of the enemies of God and the enemies of his Messenger. And the Prophet, of course, he, he endorses the statement of Sayyidina Fatima. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Allah is going to reward Ali for what he's doing. But then look at what the Prophet says. He says, The Prophet, he says, but nonetheless, I grant protection to the ones whom Umhani has granted protection. Why? Why am I making this exception? Because of her relationship with Ali ibn Abi Talib, I will grant that protection. So, so the Prophet again underscoring how beloved. Ali ibn Abi Talib is to him. That, O oh, Umhani, I'm granting these enemies of mine, I'm giving them protection. I'm not going to touch them. Not just because you are giving refuge to them, but because you are the sister of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And because of my love for Ali, I'm going to spare them. Subhanallah. Look at the, the love between the Prophet and Amir al Mu'mineen. We also have a description of how the Prophet entered into the Haram and how he entered into the sacred mosque. The historians, they say, 
before entering Mecca, before entering Masjid al-Haram, the Prophet performs a ghusl. And of course, this is a mustahab ghusl. And the Prophet stayed in his tent uh, for, for some time. He was performing his prayers and his ibadah. The Prophet وآله, asked for his uh, for his camel The Prophet وآله, he put on his iron helmet The Prophet وآله, he put on you know his armor he was riding on his on his camel. Muhammad ibn Maslama Ahidun Bizamamiha. Muhammad ibn Maslama, he took the reins of the Prophet's uh, camel and he was leading it into the haram. Well Mushrikuna The polytheists, the pagans of Mecca, they were standing on the hill, the hills surrounding the Haram, and they were just watching. The Prophet was riding his camel. He's in full uh, military gear. And he reaches the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ, he goes and he touches Hajar al-Aswad. And the Prophet called out, Allahu Akbar. When the Muslims heard the Prophet do takbir, all of the Muslims, they started to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And they would repeat the takbir, the historians say that the city felt as though it was shaking. We felt as though the ground was shaking from the takbir of the Muslims. Imagine, you know, this sight. Until the Prophet, he had a staff, until he pointed, he pointed at them and he signaled to them to be silent. And then there was complete silence. وَكَانَ حَوْلَ الْكَعْبَ ثَلَثْمِئَةْ صَنَمْ وَسِتُونَ صَمَنًا مُرَصَّصَ بِالْرِصَاصِ There were 360 idols around the Kaaba. Now, you would think that they would be in the Kaaba, but for whatever reason, the, the idols were surrounding the Kaaba. أَعْظَمُهَا هُبَلْ وَجَاهْ بَابِ الْكَعْبَ The greatest of the idols that they had was Hubal, and it was at the entrance of the Kaaba. وَبَدَأَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ طَوَافَهُ بِالْبَيْتِ عَلَىٰ رَاحِلَتِهِ The Prophet started to do tawaf around the Kaaba while he was mounted on his uh, animal. وَبِيَدِهِ قَضِيبٌ يُشِيرُ بِهِ إِلَىٰ كُلِّ صَنَمٍ يَمُرُّ بِهِ وَيَقُولُ وَقُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلُ the Prophet would take his staff and he would just point. 
He wouldn't touch the idols. He would point at the idols with his staff and he would recite this ayah of the Qur'an. Say that the truth has come and falsehood is vanquished. And falsehood was always meant to be vanquished. مَا يَزِيدُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَن يُشِيرَ بِالْقَضِيبِ إِلَى الصَّنَمِ فَمَا أَشَارَ إِلَىٰ صَنَمٍ مِنْحَا فِي وَجْهِهِ إِلَّا وَقَعَ لِقَفَىٰ The Prophet would point at the faces of these idols and just by pointing at them, they would fall on their backs. وَلَا أَشَارَ إِلَىٰ قَفَىٰ And sometimes the Prophet would point at the backside of the idol and the idol would fall upon its face. And the Prophet continued to do this until all of the idols collapsed. And Shaykh Al Mufid, he mentions in Kitab Al Irshad, Wafil Irshad, قال لأمير المؤمنين عليه السلام, Ya Ali, أعطني كثا من الحصى. The Prophet, he turns to Ali and he says, Give me a handful of pebbles. فَقَبَضَ لَهُ أَمِيرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كَفًّا فَنَاوَلَهُ فَرَمَاهَا بِهِ وَهُوَ يَتْلُ الْآيَةِ فَلَمَّا بَقِيَ مِنْهَا فَمَا بَقِيَ مِنْهَا صَنَمٌ إِلَّا خَزَّ لِوَجْهِهِ So the Prophet says, he takes this handful of pebbles and he threw it at the idols. And he recited the ayah that the truth has arrived and falsehood has been vanquished. Indeed, falsehood has always been meant to be vanquished. And every idol fell downwards. The Prophet ordered that all of these idols be taken out of the masjid. They were all broken and shattered and they were tossed out of Masjid al-Haram. Now the next thing that the Prophet does is he summons, uh, he asks for the keys to the Kaaba. And the next part is the Prophet ﷺ, he enters inside of the Kaaba. And there are a few uh, more incidents to cover as we continue our discussion on the conquest of Mecca. Inshallah, we will resume uh, this discussion in our next episode. Thank you so much brothers and sisters for tuning in once again. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.